Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome each and every one of you back to this series entitled Unshakable. I want to talk all of, to all of you that are there at our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, those watching online, maybe someone watching in a video service later. Would you put your hands together? Welcome everybody. We're glad that you're joining us this weekend. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. As we're finishing this unshakable series, it's been an amazing journey that we've been on together, and uh, I'm so proud of you. We have more people in small groups than ever. It's amazing to come and to learn what God has to say about the kingdom of God, but it's also amazing that all of you are gathering together, growing in relationship with God and one another another and uh, really studying the Bible the way the church has for centuries. It's so powerful when we come together and do it together. We love these type of series where we do this uh, together. But if you're new with us, I want to catch you up because it's been a meaningful series. We're talking about our theme verse has been this verse out of Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... We're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This series has been about the kingdom of God. Now, that can sound like a a church word. That can sound like a, a, a spiritual phrase, but really, ultimately, what we've learned in this series, it's the theme or the thesis of the New Testament and the theme and thesis that God is bringing us throughout Scripture to, and that is when Jesus steps on the scene, he says that he is introducing this new realm of authority, this available kingdom that you can participate in. It says this kingdom doesn't shake, yet our worlds and our kingdoms do shake. In fact, what we've learned in this series and the reason it's been so meaningful, I've enjoyed the feedback and all of us that have just been having these aha moments where we're realizing it's not just a phrase, the kingdom of God, But what we're learning is that we have a propensity and a tendency as humans to get involved in our own persuasions, our our own tribes, our, our own kingdoms, our own agendas, our own way of seeing the world. We can get in the wrong ditch. We can get angry about the wrong things. And really, ultimately, we can feel hopeless to not having solutions to things that matter in our lives. And what this series has done is it's called our perspectives up higher. That if we were to prioritize the kingdom of God, that if followers of Christ were to get as excited about the kingdom of God as we do all the other things we post and share, we would have already wrapped this thing up by now and Jesus would have returned because everybody would know Jesus. But we get so focused on our little small myopic thing. And this series has said, why don't you come up a little higher? Why don't you focus on this kingdom that does not shake? It's unshakable. And it's helped us in our real everyday lives. We've talked about our work life and our relationships and and how practical it is when when you don't live a segmented life. 
When God lives at the box down there where the guy talks and you sing songs, but no, no, when God starts to bring his kingdom into what you do every day, and we began to see, man, there's hope in that, there's strength in that, there's stability in that, because there's a kingdom that does not shake, and it says as a result of that, we so worship him, we have this reverence, we have this awe in regards to him, and worship is not just singing songs, it's the way that we live our lives. And so this week, we're gonna talk about that unshakable kingdom in an area where we've all experienced shaking. That if we live long enough, at some point along the way, we face some shaking in this area as we conclude this series. We're talking about our families. Our families are a place where we care so much, but a lot of times feel ill-equipped and taken off guard a little bit when it shakes. We, we have a lot of desire in this area, but we find ourselves many times not understanding a lot of God's principles in this area. We have lots of people that want to talk about lots of things in this area. We have lots of different information coming our way. I'm amazed a lot of times when I see all these people talking so much about family and, and you should do this and here's a new tip or a new technique or a new idea or a new philosophical way of viewing it and we, we, we push this stuff out all the time and most of it's garbage. Most of it is not according to God's plan or God's pattern. Let me say at the very beginning as we talk about the unshakable kingdom that comes to our work, that comes to our relationships, that comes to our homes, that comes to these very important relationships, God has the pattern. God designed the family. God has the blueprint. I feel like sometimes I'm a bit redundant in that. Um, I, I do a fair amount of interacting with people as a pastor over 30 years. If I'm honest with you, a lot of times when you begin to talk about certain things in people's lives, this is what they wanna talk about. This is what they're concerned about. Because there's something about family. You can, you can be succeeding at work and have a marriage issue and it feels like you're failing at everything. You can have the most success in so many areas in life and have a kid that's struggling and you're only as happy as your happiest child and kid pain, there's no other pain like kid pain. There's just something about this area of life where we want to believe that his unshakable kingdom can come to it. You're like, I don't even know if that's possible, pastor, but like if the kingdom of God could affect that, like I wanna know a little bit more about this kingdom. And yet in today's world, again, we lose sight of the fact that in the garden, God is the one who instituted the family. God is the one that originated it. God has the principles. God has the playbook. God has the plan for us, yet so many times, we just leave him out of it. We just kind of think, man, I'm just gonna kind of do this and we have our own ideas and our own ways of doing it. I'd like to talk to you about the kingdom coming here on earth in your family. The kingdom wants to come. And yet for a lot of us, again, we just sort of start off into this and 
Maybe we have what we've seen and maybe we've had some patterns from the past. Maybe we've had somebody who is a person who describes themselves as an expert in this area that we take their philosophical viewpoints and psychological ideologies. And a lot of times what I find a lot of people do, this is the number one most downloaded content that I talk about. I do a series and have for over 20 years after Easter on the topic of family. It's the area that again, privately, most of the time, when I talk with people, it's an area that they're, they're, they're wanting help and, and it's a place that sometimes draws us to ask God some questions. Man, you can feel like you have the world by the tail and you get some problems in this area and it's like, man, I need to, I need to ask for some help. And yet what I find is, is that I, I find myself as a, as a pastor a lot of times feeling like I'm repeating myself all the time and, and saying, hey, God has some things to say about this. I, I, and I, I feel like a little bit like I'm redundant. So if I'm redundant today, then I know somebody out there is like, man, I'd like to know what God has to say. I find a lot of people approach fam, uh, family a lot like I approach my March Madness bracket this year. How many of y'all? How many of y'all filled out a bracket wherever you're at? Anybody? How many of y'all know somebody that filled out a bracket? Well, the truth is, a lot of people filled out a bracket, but very few people watch college basketball. I, I mean, it's like. We can't even name a college basketball player, a lot of us, you know, and it's just like, well, the guys at the office, let's fill one out, and I don't watch a lot of college basketball, but uh, I do, you know, the Baylor Bears did win the national championship a few years ago, but the Aggies have never won one, but anyway, it's all good, but uh, I, 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 you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I did what a lot of you do, you just kind of like go on the internet and look for an expert and kind of say, what do you, what do they think, and then you maybe mix two experts. Anybody do that? It'd be like, I'm gonna take this guy's half and that guy's half and it didn't work out so good for me. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of red X's. Are you with me? It's kind of like just sort of gambling on I hope it'll work out. And that's what a lot of people do in this area. It's just like, man, we're just gonna kind of kind of hope that it all ends up in a good place. First Thessalonians is an interesting set of passages. As I said, Genesis tells us God designed the family. Jesus affirms that in Matthew 19 and says what God has joined together, that's covenantal language, not our own human contracts that are based on our own self-interest. The apostle Paul affirms that. There's a thread through the whole scripture that shows us God has strong opinions about this area of our lives. 1 Thessalonians 2, though, is really interesting because it connects the kingdom to the family. I love this, this, this whole section here from the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians because Paul is doing what Paul does a lot, and he's pulling together aspects of the kingdom in relationship with familial language. And this, this church here in Thessalonica, it's so encouraging because he sometimes comes with a corrective tone and here he's just like so proud of these people. 
In fact, he tells them, you didn't just listen to this stuff as just words, but like the Holy Spirit showed up among you and you've received this and there's full conviction and there's God's power. And he says, you don't even need a mailer for Easter or a billboard because everybody that comes in contact with you, we don't even have to talk about it. People are seeing it in you. That's what this series, The Kingdom, is about. When the kingdom starts to come in real everyday people's lives, people recognize it in you. They see it at work on the inside of you. But he says this in verse 11 of chapter two. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. The apostle Paul continually bringing, and the Bible actually continually bringing familial language. At one point he says, like a mother. And now here he says, like a father. And some of you that are new to this whole thing, the church thing, you know, it's like, like we, we call, you're my brother or you're my sister. And, and it can sound like, man, that's kind of weird. You know, like, what is that? Well, it's describing this ethos of followers of Christ. And, and Paul says, he, he dealt with them as a father and, and, and encouraging them and and comforting them and, and urging them, urging them to live a life worthy of God. So he's, he's urging and calling them up higher in the relationship with God, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Thinks that when I read this, it makes me think about Ephesians 5, where the apostle Paul here is, is talking about the person and and then he's talking about this familial language. It's, it's, it's what you feel when you come here. People call it friendliness. And I say, it's more than friendliness. It's the ethos of family. We have a value called spiritual family where years ago he said, what if we don't just have a mob of people that are just receiving content, but what if we began to love one another like family? What if we built the ethos of family and that culture? And, and the apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, he starts talking about the church and brothers and sisters, and then he talks about husbands and the way husbands treat their wives and how, how wives treat their husbands and how children relate to their parents and he just kind of starts talking about church and spiritual family and the family and moms and dads. And when you're reading the chapter, even this, you're like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about church? Are we talking about family? Are we talking about God? What are we? And he's like, yes, yes. It, it, it's all in our Western segmented mindset. We separate these relationships. It's this over here and this over here. But in God's design, it's kind of like, yeah, yes, all of it together. I wanna talk to you about kingdom culture, kingdom culture in your home. It's culture, whether it's a church or whether it's a team or whether it's a business or whether it's a family. There's an ethos, there's an atmosphere, there's a culture created. And let me just tell you, culture trumps activity. Atmosphere, the spirit of the atmosphere. You felt it before. You've been, wherever there's a few people gathered for in a consistent amount of time, there's a culture. There's an atmosphere there. And so that's why your relationships are so important. 
Because there could be a group of friends where around that culture, they're encouraging, they're comforting, they're urging one another higher. And there's also a set of relationships that can be pulling you, pushing you away from the things of God. And he says here that there is this culture created within this dynamic of God's design that calls you into his kingdom, that calls you into his glory. If you're evaluating your relationships right now, that's good. If you're evaluating even the culture of your home, the environment of your family, see, God says, I wanna bring my kingdom to that culture. We've all felt it before where you're just like, even if you had a broken home, you may have known some atmosphere, not perfect, because all families have challenges, where you're just like, oh man, whoa, this is different. This is, whoa, this is, there's something unique here. Wow, there's peace here. Oh, whoa. And we've all felt it where you're like, ah, there's something wrong here. There's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere of, of disrespect. Or in our, in our world today, you can see it when people are around, you know. I mean, I'm getting a little older, you know, and, and I'll see like, like some kids and stuff. I'm like, they need a spanking. <laughs> we need to adjust the culture. Mom's like, I just can't do anything with them. Look, you're in charge. You are the culture setter. You are the culture creator. You have the most influence over the attitudes in that dynamic. You have the opportunity. Now, I wanna say at the outset, when you're dealing with family, you're dealing with people. You're dealing with wills. You're dealing with seasons. You're dealing with people in different phases of life. You're dealing with all kinds of dynamics, but sometimes, just like in all the other areas we've talked about, we can just feel hopeless, like there's no target to shoot for. Can I give you a target to shoot for? Shoot for heart, shoot for culture. Shoot for atmosphere. Shoot for this focus on more the culture of the environment because even if kids and family go through seasons, the culture carries through all seasons in all atmospheres and that culture is largely influenced by your mindset of the kingdom. Let me give you the world's culture. The world's culture, this is a predominant theme that's destroying family culture that is kingdom oriented. The world's culture says you. Focus on you. Focus on your desires. You deserve to be happy. If happiness is your goal, don't get married. <laughs> I love my wife, but it's the single most sanctifying relationship you'll ever enter into. And then bring some kids along, come on now. Focus on you. It's all about you. Nothing about family is all about you. You, your happiness, your personal fulfillment. And, and I like to tell people when I'm counseling them, I'm like, there's not four options. We so think in this area there's a menu of options. There's only two options. There's only two focuses. One is you, your happiness, your personal fulfillment, and in that model, the family adapts to you. 
In the kingdom model, it starts with you and then there's a family and the family then should be connected to spiritual family because those dynamic of relationships influence outside of you and there's church family and then that family that prioritizes the kingdom ultimately finds its ultimate focus in who's in charge of all this? Who can tell who what to do, which is my kid's favorite thing. Who's in charge of who? Well, ultimately, dad says, we're under the authority of this word. We're under the ultimate dominion of the king. The king's the head of it all. He sets all the rules. He gives all the principles. We're all under this authority. And what happens in that area is it all doesn't adapt to you and your newfound set of ideas about this. You adapt to the king. Everybody has to adapt to the king's desire. And when that ethos begins to take place, you begin to see a transition and a transformation in that atmosphere. I had a little it's not about you moment for spring break because I've got girls in my house now. It's a girl-dominated household. My son left, went to college. He now lives in Oklahoma City, so now... I have the, the, the female posse. And they, at spring break, it was kind of like, okay, what do y'all want to do? So the first day, they want to go shopping. We did nothing I wanted to do. It was all about adapting to them. I would like to look in the camera and just say to all of these department stores, you know, you, you need to upgrade our experience as dads. We need a better set of chairs. We need a little better activity on the TV. And we need a little more comfort. The bench is not working in there for us, if you know what I'm saying. If you'd make us a little more comfortable, maybe a recliner or something, we might spend more money on the people that are shopping because we could last longer. Are y'all with me? And so it's all about, this is a spring break, this is, you know, it's not about you was the theme of my spring break. <laughs> the last day, they said, finally, I said, what are we gonna do now? They said, we're gonna go to the movies. I thought, man, that's awesome, let's go to the movies. I said, what are we gonna watch? They said, Puss in Boots. I said, I'm out. <laughs> I've sacrificed long enough, I'm over it. So I'm watching basketball. Y'all can go watch that if you want to. A kingdom family is consistently bringing you back to multiple moments that the only way that it really stays in a place that honors God is when every person says, like the king did for us, I'm coming to you. I'm not, it's not based on your merit or your deserving or what you did. In fact, when I counsel people that have marital challenges, usually the biggest place you have to get somebody to is to get them to think outside of themselves to say, what if you worked on you? What, what if you, because see, you and your flesh always wanna focus on what somebody else is not doing, but the Holy Spirit always wants to talk to you about you. And I wanna give you some hope and encouragement. Never underestimate when one person gets a hold of that in an atmosphere, how big the dynamic can change. When one person begins to say, it's not about me, 
how the entire atmosphere can change around that one person, kids and spouses and others. You say, I wanna experience this kingdom in my family, then what does that really look like? Well, I have two thoughts for you under two sections. Number one, our family can embrace this kingdom culture when we embrace the kingdom order. There, there's a order, there's a blueprint, there's a, there's a picture. There's a picture that God gives. And it gets lost in our world today that has so many different ideas about how we should do it. And, and I have this idea. And we, we a lot of times say, I wanna get my picture and ask God to bless it. I wanna encourage you, your starting point is not what you desire. Your starting point is, God, what do you bless? What is your bless? How do, how do I get in cooperation with kingdom order because Kingdom culture follows kingdom order. There's a picture that you have in your mind and you want that picture to represent God's picture. When it comes to family pictures, there's a picture I have in my mind and there's a picture my wife has in her mind. Two different pictures. I have a picture that involves recycling for you for Christmas one of our old pictures and giving it to you as a leftover. My wife wants a fresh picture with new outfits. This year she decided we should wear light colors and pastels. Big men should never wear light colors and pastels. So I look like a Smurf in light blue, maybe a blue tablecloth standing in the middle. The, the photographer's always short, so I've got like chinchilla show, you know, just kind of, just a big chin, throat, daisy chain, and neck extenders together to get my tie on. Are y'all with me? <laughs> a few years ago, she decided we should go get a picture at a moat in Las Colinas. There'll be a little background, and we should take the dog. I didn't have that picture. The dog's running around spastic. Everybody's upset. We got to There's a guy floating down the moat. He's getting on one knee about to propose. There's a size, it's like kind of like Italy or Venice or something. He kind of gets down on one knee. I'm like, don't do it. <laughs> this is where it ends up. <laughs> she has a picture, I have a picture. Can I tell you the number of counseling appointments that I've had with people where they say, well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna live together, more common today. Well, why are you gonna do that? That's not God's picture. They're like, well, what's wrong? I mean, we're kind of non-traditional. I said, tradition has nothing to do with it. Honoring the king has everything to do with it. Well, we're just, you know, we're just doing it for financial reasons. We're not really gonna sleep together. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> why would you wanna do that? Statistics say, you're hurting the trust factor within that relationship. And you're just like, well, and, and it sounds logical. Well, I feel like we should kind of see if we're compatible. I kind of see if we're just, I'm like, well, that's all human reason. I've had people recently say, well, that seems reasonable. I said, well, you need to read the scripture. Over and over in the scripture, it says, you need to submit your human reason to the wisdom of God. You need to submit your human reason. Because the Bible says that things of the spirit are foolishness to the carnal mind. And you're just like, well, I just think we should. Well, don't think, submit. Don't think. You're like, well, you know, it's fine. And as I said, the problem that you don't understand is 
Sexual immorality doesn't stop just because you get a ring on your finger. Why would you wanna start in immorality and then get in a relationship where you don't want immorality because immorality is not stopped by having a ceremony and putting a ring on somebody's finger. You're starting off with the wrong picture. We got all these pictures about kids and, you know, man, I, we just need to, we don't want to hurt their will. We need to just, you know, love and logic. And I heard somebody the other day say, well, I said, well, what philosophy do you use? Well, we're using gentle parenting. I'm like, we can tell. <laughs> we can tell. You might want to use a little more biblical parenting. Where the Bible says, not you just, oh, you spare the rod, spoil the child. The Bible says, if you don't discipline them, you hate them. That's what it says. You hate them. Why? Because you love your kids and it's cute to you when they're two, but it's not going to be cute when they're 22. It's not going to be cute anymore. And your tolerance for them, which I love to tell young families, everyone listening to me at every campus, you love your kids. Does anybody else like your kids? Because what you're willing to tolerate, their teachers have to deal with. They're the, the people they'll work for one day have to deal with them being, here's, here's the point now, we, we, we love our kids and kids rule our world. They, they, are, they dominate a lot of our focus. They don't do well being the king. They're not designed to be the king. I'm just giving you a few. There's all kinds of philosophies. We have people all the time sharing different stuff. And I don't know, I heard it one the other day. Well, my kids, I don't need my kids to respect me. Well, well, well let me help you with something. You may not need it, but the rest of the world needs them to respect them. And you're setting them up for failure one day. So what do you say that you do? Turn off all of these people who have all these ideologies who have no skin in the game as to whether what they're talking about will actually work. And why don't you say, I'm gonna put my parenting philosophy and my marriage philosophy on the time-tested eternal word of God. That's what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm gonna focus on. So there's not four options. There's the kingdom option and the world's option. You say, how do we get this culture? Well, cultures are created by what you value. Here's some kingdom value statements. And after years of working with people and, 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 and myself, even walking through being a parent, all the things and learning just like you, I found these are some hot spots right here. These are some places, as I said, there's variables, there's, there's situations that we have people that have wills, you have sin involved, like there, there is so much about this that's dynamic. But again, what kind of targets can we focus on? What kind of, what kind of things can we say, hey, let's, let's shoot for this. Here's a few. Number one, our identity comes in a kingdom family. Our identity comes from being a child of the king. So, so ultimately, a lot of our challenges result in identity-related issues in our family because when you care a lot about what someone thinks, it's very hard in a family situation 
When you feel like, man, what they're saying hurts me, it's very hard to find your identity in Christ enough to offer forgiveness to them or offer grace to them when that will bring the kingdom to the setting. It's not always easy to do. And that's why you can't do family in your own strength. You gotta ultimately say, I'm doing this to please the king. And thank God when we're loved by our family or we receive affirmation, but if that's our highest goal, because the world says your identity is in your success or your, your applause from others, but the Bible says that ultimately the way we live our lives is, as Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's yet not I live, but now Christ lives within me. So my identity ultimately is in what he thinks. I remember I took my son, again, now grown, out of the house, 12, 13 years old. I put something together. We've all been there before. I put something together like just to, just, just to a trip, and it was a special trip, and some friends helped me, and I put a lot of energy into it and had left my assignments at church and, and had to take off, and it was about investing in him, and I had a big failure. I was so identified with me feeling good based on him feeling good that I messed the whole thing up. In fact, I was a lot of times thinking, man, if somebody would have done this for me, then I would be overjoyed. And it's one of the things that's so hard about with children and, and that they're going through their own stuff. And, and a lot of times they don't even like the things you like. And I don't know if anybody's ever had this thought, where did these people come from? And I was showing him love in a way that I would receive love. And the other thing I underestimated was it was middle school season for him. And I just wanna tell you parents, as your kids get in middle school, there's, there's so many insecurities that they're going through. You say, well, what does that have to do with identity? Everything, everything. I was so identified with what I was trying to offer that I messed the whole thing up. He was struggling with his own identity and relationship to some of the other people there. I missed that and I was too hard on him. I, I kind of missed the whole scenario. He told my pastor on me. That's really fun when your kids tell on you. It's really worse when your wife tells on you. But anyway, by the way, if you think about your own kids walking in relationship with others, you modeling that is very important as well. Do you have anyone that you submit to that can say no to you, it's an important thing. I'm not saying I enjoyed it, but I am saying it was a good process for me to get some understanding and be able, and I had to come back and apologize about the whole setting related to, and, and here's what I learned. When those around you are shaking in their worlds, when you have an anchor to the king and you're solidified in your identity, you're able to offer the things to the environment that you're looking to offer because you're not ultimately, mostly, and supremely motivated by their response. You're motivated by the response of the king. The second thing is we are people of honor under the authority of the king. The world today says demand respect. Demand others respect you. The Bible says you honor others and you live a life of honor. And I wanna tell you, a kingdom culture in a home is an atmosphere that ultimately is not even just about honoring people, but it's about honoring God. 
And, and that honor, again, not, not to a, 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 a fault to where we lose sight of the ability to have honest conversations with one another, but one thing about a kingdom environment is there's a healthy honor for God that trickles down to the atmosphere. And this is where, again, I'm talking to young families here. It takes discipline to discipline. And there's a window. I'm telling you this out of love now, later in life and places. I'm telling you something that your parents wanna tell you when they have to take care of your kids that nobody else is telling you. I'm telling you as a pastor right now, you've got a window right there. You've got a little window there to really help them understand Honor, you know a lot of this kingdom series has a lot to do with authority. It's not a popular word in our culture. It's why challenging today for teachers and police officers and everything that we have, we have created an environment that says you, you and no one, you don't have to. No, 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 no. The Bible says, the Bible says honor your father and your mother. When you get grown, you don't have to obey your father and mother but you still honor your father and mother. And the Bible says this one thing is a command that's connected to a promise. What's the promise? That it'll go well with you. Ephesians comes back and tells us that there's a blessing that comes on your life when you train your children to honor authorities in their lives and have respect. And what happens is in your culture of your home, honor, and what, what happens for a lot of us again we struggle with honor, we struggle with respect, we reproduce that and then at some point what's really painful is when that disrespect comes our way. Here's the third thing, we find alignment through shared purpose of the king. The truth is you have all these different personalities, you have all these different things and the world says ultimately find your passion, find your dream. Quite honestly, I believe as we look at the Bible in Romans that it's important for us to help our children and for us to find our gifts and we're uniquely made by God. But if I can be really honest with you, all the preaching we hear about find your dreams, it's just not that prevalent in the Bible. It's just not that prevalent. Now, the Bible does say he designed us. We are his masterpiece. And the Bible says we've been given unique gifts when Jesus ascended to heaven. And it is given to us in scripture to steward those gifts. But ultimately, when you look at the predominant theme of the Bible, all of it, every good and perfect gift is meant and designed for us to steward in such a way to glorify the king. It's ultimately about, as we focus all of those things on what's the king's agenda? What's the kingdom passion and desire? Not the personal, individual passion and desire. Can I encourage you with this? In a kingdom home, everything that God has given us, everything we do, it's not that we can't enjoy life or have hobbies, but I wanna say again to young families, you, you can have alignment around kingdom. I've done multiple 
of these things. It's really, it's like called a manhood ceremony. We, we've, we've done, I've done them with my kids. I've done them with my friends' kids. And we'll take young guys. And when they turn 12 or 13, we'll have a special meal. And we'll talk to them about what we see in them. And we'll, we'll, we'll have a group of guys lay hands on them and pray for them. It's a very powerful thing. I get emotional. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. I'm crying because it's amazing what happens when a group of men call another young man into manhood and say, here's what God is calling you to steward. It's a powerful thing. But every time I have a, a letter that I read and every time I get to the part where I talk about looking at them and saying, love what Jesus loves, love his church, live for his kingdom. I, I get emotional every single time because I. what am I saying to them? It's not about everybody going in the ministry. My, I have two kids in the ministry. My daughter's going to be a nurse and I talk to her about, look, as a nurse for the kingdom, Think about you in the kingdom and how you can have a kingdom impact as a nurse. You can, you can love people and show them God's love and you can show people mercy and grace in some of their most vulnerable moments. I wanna say this, it's not about setting up your house as all of us have to be, no, we're all living for the ministry of reconciliation. We're all living for the kingdom of God. We're all focused on the king's agenda and whatever you do, love what he loves. Love what he loves, model that, show that. My kids play sports, my kids played sports. I'm not against sports. I have so many relationships in our church from coaching football in Keller and being around it. We dominated too, just for the record. <laughs> but I wanna tell you this, we're off course. We're off course. Don't teach your kids to worship select baseball and wonder why they don't take their families to church one day. We, there's nothing wrong with enjoying sports and enjoying things in life, but they can't be king. They can't be king. They've got to submit to the king. So what do you want to do? You want to make sure that even though they are pursuing these other passions and things in their life, that you don't ultimately supplant those things and remove the very thing that you're gonna want inside of them when they go off to college, and that is a relationship with Jesus and a desire to serve him. Here's number four. Broken relationships can be restored by the king. And I wanna say this to some of you out there, go, man, we kinda didn't have the main right targets. It's never too late. The good news about the kingdom is, it is a kingdom that is restorative and it can come and do, when you invite that, we learned in this series that it is like leaven, it's like, it's like the yeast, it's small and it gets inside the dough and no one can explain it. Can I, can I say to you, dad, there was a guy in our church testified the other day, said, I didn't know that I was to be a spiritual influence and leader in my home. Let me say to you, dads, you're huge. You're massive. You're big on setting the targets. You're big on setting the culture. You're massive. When we get prayer requests at prepare, a lot of times they're praying for you. Can I tell you, when you get the right scoreboard, man, the whole household starts to be affected by the ethos of that one decision. Thank God for praying moms. To all you young people out there who are trying to sin, mom, keep praying. You won't enjoy it. Don't even fight it. You may go through a season where you try it, but if mom's praying, give up. Just give up. Mom's praying kingdom prayers. 
when young people, man, it is, it, we underestimate when one person submits to the king in a family, how that can bring this restorative power. In fact, Jesus said, pray this way, pray your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I heard about a small group of guys the other day. They were talking about, few of them said, man, I've got a broken relationship with my kids. They started praying for those kids. They started praying through the week and texting one another and praying scriptures over those kids. One of the guys texts back to the group, my son, after months of us being in silence, months, texts me and said, dad, I miss you, I wanna get together. Can I tell you this? Don't lose hope. The enemy wants you to lose hope in God's plan and to say, hey, this is, it's too late, it's too gone, it's too far. I have seen marriages restored. I have seen kids that were going the wrong way get touched by God and become on fire for God. I have seen families that even if you had some wrong ideas and patterns, it's never too late. It's never too late to say, we're gonna seek the king and the kingdom and God will show up. Let me, let me finish this series this way. I'm gonna ask you if you would, wherever you're at every campus, to stand on your feet. At my house, sometimes we have like a family talk, so we'll just say, hey, come together, and I wanna frame this for you. Well, I wanna have a little family talk about this series with you for a minute. I'm gonna ask everybody, unless it's an emergency, to not move around any campus, any setting. Here's really why, I, I, it, for two years I wanted to preach this series. I, 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 it's just been stirring in me, this, this, this kingdom mindset is such a game changer. It's so big for your work, for your life, for your marriage, for your family, it's massive. And, and yet at the end of the day, some of you may say, man, I, I have this thing that's broken or that, or I haven't seen his kingdom come in this area. We've all had a, a kid or a family member or somebody, a, a coworker, we've all had them make a mistake or miss, miss the mark. And, but but you, you have a different perspective even if they miss the mark or make a mistake if their hearts are in the right place. Can me tell you, this series is about heart. I, and I wanna, I wanna tell you as your pastor, that's the thing I'm most proud of you is not all the right techniques, the what all the time, but as we keep turning our hearts toward the King, it's not about all the tips and the techniques exactly. It's really ultimately saying, King Jesus, I, I wanna submit it all to you. I, I, wanna, I wanna focus on what you say is a priority. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads. If you're here and you say, I don't know Jesus, maybe you're like Joe, today you can. You can just simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender just like Joe did. I, I surrender it all to you. I wanna be transformed, I wanna be born again. I, I, I submit to you as my Lord and Savior. I, I give you, I know you died on the cross for me, you rose from the dead and I accept you as my Jesus today. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Come forward at the end of the service, grab the hand of someone, come to Discovery 101, wherever you're at. But second of all, Lord, I pray in unison and in unity. Lord, thank you, Lord, for our ability to, not in our own strength, but in our own hearts just to submit to you and you be king. Lord, if there's one area, just any person, one area, Lord, Lord, just show it to us where we can say, look, Lord, be king of my work life. Be king of my finances. Be king of my parenting. Be, be king in my marriage. Be, be king in my friendships and relationships. Lord, I desire your picture, your desires. 
Lord, we thank you, Lord, that as we submit to you, Lord, we pray as you said to pray, let your kingdom come. Let it come here on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.